Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Algman. Everyone needs to harness the power of data. There's a lot involved in making that happen, and this show is here to make it all a little bit easier. Think of this as an audio advice column for all your data and leadership questions. Our guest today is Scott Taylor. Known as the Data Whisperer, Scott has helped countless companies calm down data by enlightening business executives to the strategic value of proper data management. He focuses on business alignment and the strategic why rather than the system implementation and the technical how. As principal consultant for MetaMeta Meta Consulting, he works with enterprises and tech brands to tell their data story. Scott, welcome to the new show. Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. It's great to have you here. Anthony, happy to be here. Thrilled to be on your new show. I guess it's the third time we've had a show together. So friend of the approach, no matter what, and uh, happy to be here. Absolutely, I've done no yeah. prep. I think I told <laughs> no you prep. because, you know, ready <laughs> to talk and I'm all dressed up, but I don't want to disappoint. I didn't actually get all dressed up for you either. I've got a corporate event after this uh, webinar, which I do plenty of, but you've got my, my full attention and spirit and we're ready to go talk about data storytelling or whatever you'd like to talk about. Awesome. Yeah. And, and we do like to keep it light here. I did a little bit more prep than zero, but uh, most of that's done now that I read the intro. So there we go. But it's, a, it's always a pleasure to have you here. And certainly, I think your style of how you do data management, how you do uh, what you do uh, out there, it, it, it's so unique. And one of the things we just not too long ago was at an event out in uh, California conference. And again, I mentioned it in my class, but I often mentioned this in my talks, is that my favorite business book of all time was The Little Red Hen. And because there's a sure. lot of, although it does get kind of weird because it's little red hens, like trying to make some bread and asking for help. Nobody's going to help her. And then it finally comes down to like the bread's finally made and everybody wants some bread and she only gives it to her children. So I'm like, it's still a pretty good story in that we need to do things for betterment of everyone and help along the way. And it's okay to ask for help, but it's also important that if you want to get some benefits, you need to throw in and help make the outcomes happen. And so I Absolutely. love that story from a business perspective, but you even wrote a offshoot in the data called the, the Little Red Data Hen. Can you talk about what inspired you to do that? And is that message any different or is it exactly what I would think it would be? It's a great parable, no matter what, about the lack of engagement. And so my Little Red Data Hen video, which is available on YouTube, everybody should check it out. I read the book to my grandson, now known affectionately in LinkedIn as Data Whisperer Jr. <laughs> It's really thrilled. He just got named in the data 10 under 10. So we're very proud of him. <laughs> exclusive. But it's just list. It, exclusive list. But it just felt so appropriate to the data space. And I call it a cautionary tale about the lack of engagement for data governance. And it just sometimes I feel like these things almost write themselves. But it was such yep. a blast to write and then to tape with him and edit it. And it's one of my most popular videos. I show it at conferences now too it's just uh always a crowd pleaser yeah well and that's the thing that i think you're, you're kind of known for is that you make things entertaining but there's a real lesson behind everything that you're talking about and i think that uh that video is, is certainly one that I've, I've enjoyed watching as well so definitely uh recommend that if we, if we remember we'll put a, a link to that in the show notes for sure um that kind of ties into the bigger picture of a lot of this because you do a lot of work with with 
corporate events, you do a lot of, of trying to help change people's perspective on the role data plays in their organizations and the role they play with data, I think is probably even better. And you kind of come back to this right. concept of data storytelling. And could you tell us a little bit about, a little bit behind the curtain of like, how did you determine that this was your thing? And why are you doing this as opposed to a lot of the other consultants out there doing the more traditional strategy projects and, and all that? You're out there front and center really trying to take the entire organization under your wing by motivating them through keynotes or through other uh, kind of big picture uh, approaches. It helps to be a little bit of a ham. So as I say, I, I have a fear of not public speaking. <laughs> love being on stage, love getting people excited. Yeah. And I'm also not a practitioner. I never was. Mm. A lot of people get sort of fooled or confused, they think, okay, the things I talk about, I've actually done. So I've never actually done them. I haven't done data management, hands-on, stewardship, governance, any of that. I've just talked about it a lot because my entire career has been working with and dealing with enterprises around their data management struggles, having been an executive at Nielsen and then working at Dun & Bradstreet. And looking back at my career, which is a lot easier to do now and find the through lines than it is when you're in it and starting off and figuring yeah. out where you want to go, I realized that data story or storytelling, whether it was about data or not, has always been one of my strongest suits. Hmm. I've been doing storytelling since it was two words. And when I was at Nielsen, part of what I did for the brand that I was working for was put together a better story. When I was brought in to Dun & Bradstreet, the singular objective I had was come up with a better story about the services we already have. So being able to give a compelling presentation, get people engaged, use a little stagecraft, a little humor, some entertainment, all were part of things that I always did and people would after, oh, we love that presentation. I would do sessions when, let's say, one of the companies I worked for was sponsoring a conference and they'd have a slot on the agenda. And I was always the one who would be right up there because, again, it was something that I, I, I went towards rather than worried about. So right. when I took the leap to just doing this, I was doing some consulting, some product consulting, which was really, really specific around people productizing their master and reference data assets before the data product explosion lately where that word has gotten kind of uh, mutated in a lot of ways. But these were for data companies. They sell data and they have products that are made of data. And it was very difficult to find. I'd find these opportunities and that was fine. About half my business was that and half was the, the content creation. And it just, the content stuff just took off and it was, mm -hmm. it's like a hundred to a thousand times more fun. It's a lot more gratifying. You've done consulting, you know, half the yeah, time they don't yeah. really even listen to you and you do all this work and you're inside a company and you see all the ins and outs and that's sort of interesting. But for me now I'm just living the dream as far as I'm concerned and taking this leap to doing events, doing content, doing videos, webinars, whatever that the tactic is, it's all around as you mentioned, trying to have a, a humorous, entertaining, impactful delivery, but has a solid message in it as well. Mm -hmm. And that message is always better data is better. Fix your data and other things will work better. Truth before meaning, as I like to call it. Determine the truth in your data first before you derive meaning. Obviously, hence the, the meaning of my truth hat here. I'm on the truth team. <laughs> and that's just 
and looking across the whole landscape of consultants and other folks, this feels like a really good, solid niche for me. And you've got to be focused with this kind of thing. You've got to be focused if you want to be successful, I think. And I really focus on that area. Yeah. Well, you bring something to the table that very few people have. Like a lot of people can do data management work within their organizations or as consultants, but it's, it can be much more difficult to translate the value of that to a broad-based audience. You don't need to get super specific in doing that, but you need to tell that that good story. It got me thinking as we were talking about data storytelling, because it's, it's been something that I've, I've um you know, followed you and, and that message has been so consistent for, for so long. And I think about it too, from a different direction, because in, in the data storytelling that you're talking about, it's about telling the story to each other and to an organization about that value of the data. Like you said, the better data is better and, and all of that. I also often think about data storytelling as what is the story the data is trying to tell me? And so when I go and do data analytics, I'm often thinking about, okay, there's a story hidden in this data and I need to be receptive to it. I don't know what it is yet. And the data certainly is just sitting there. It doesn't even know what the, the story is, but I find it it's risky if I impose the story that I want the data to tell me versus listening to the data and hearing its actual story. Because to me, that's what analytics is about. It's about saying, what can the data tell me that I don't know now that will help me drive better decision-making or better activities in, in my business. So there is that kind of two-directional uh, aspect to it is like, what story is the data telling you? And that's something that I think is, is worth considering as well, for sure. That, that is the classic data storytelling definition, which could probably be called analytic storytelling. And when I looked at the space and when I found my niche, part of what I was doing was hearing all this stuff about, quote, data storytelling. Yeah. And actually, where was the data management voice in any of that? I didn't hear it. Right. And digging deeper, it, I realized, okay, there's 12, 15, 20 books out there on data storytelling with analytics, storytelling with data, how to put data, as you suggest, into a business context to drive action in that particular project, that particular initiative. But you take a step back or actually before, and we know that people are struggling getting their data management activities funded, getting the support from the organization for data in general. Why do we need all this? Where's the value? Why are we investing all this? Why don't we just do, you know, add GPT to anything we have these days and that'll make it better. That's the latest version of the craziness that goes on in our space. And these data management leaders and practitioners that I spoke to my entire career had this incredible frustration because people, they had, they knew that data would bring value to their organization. They just had trouble explaining it mm -hmm. in a simple business oriented fashion. And because I worked at, on the supplier side, on the vendor side, that's all we ever did was explain the value of Nielsen data, explain the value of mm -hmm. B&B data, explain the value of Kantar data, these iconic brands that I worked for. Yeah. So I was good at telling that story. And often I'd be brought in to help the people we were talking to pitch it to their executives. And I realized there's a practice area in this one way or the other, however I executed, I wrote the book about it, but in the book very early on and in every presentation I do about my data story, my kind of data storytelling, I delineate 
as you've suggested, between the two types of data storytelling, mm. one that classically everybody knows for data, for analytics, stories with data, but then mm -hmm. there's another one about funding, engagement, just the general conceptual su support and financial support you need for data management. And those are stories about the data. And everybody needs both. Every yeah. organization should be fluent in both. It's not Sophie's choice here. You don't have to choose. You need <laughs> both of these kinds of stories, the story about determining truth and the story about deriving meaning. Makes sense. I guess the the next question that I would have then is, I think it's a fair, so I'll set, I'll set the, the baseline, right? I think it's a fair statement that people are becoming ever more aware of the importance of good data and using data and doing doing stuff, creating value with data. I think people are becoming more and more aware that data is valuable and we should probably do something about it. However, and I think you've alluded to this, is, is that what to do about that isn't always clear and it isn't always apparent and it isn't always something that people are willing to actually put in the investment for. Like it's one thing to say, yes, we agree, data is important. We got other stuff to do. Do mm -hmm. you find that through your interactions, because you, you see a lot of different organizations, you see a lot of people that are struggling with similar kinds of, of patterns. Are you seeing us collectively turning that corner to where we're now more appropriately investing in those things that allow us to extract that value from data? Or are we still not quite meeting that mark in terms of recognizing with investment, with real effort, that value potential that we agree is there? It's getting better, but we're not there yet. Yeah. All you got to do is scroll through LinkedIn and see the chatter going on where some, I got to explain, my business doesn't understand the value or how do we define value? We're still pontificating amongst ourselves around some really basic premises. And I think that's holding us back to a certain degree too. Is it a data product? Do we do data productization? Maybe it's data product as a service. There's all this kind of... Yeah chatter that goes on in terminology and we're our own worst enemy when it comes to that kind of vocabulary. And one of my first recommendations is get your vocabulary right. Speak the language mm -hmm. of the business. Use terminology that the business side will understand rather than the newest, cutest phrase that some marketer made up and you take the first seven minutes of your discussion and you're explaining this phrase, whatever it is. My, my latest keynote, which is a little bit edgy, surprise, surprise, I'm pushing it, pushing myself on it, is actually called Data's the New Bullshit. <laughs> Why, you can bleep that if you want. Why the, but the subhead's important. Why the way yeah. we talk about data is holding the industry back and what you can do about it. So I'm trying to offer some advice as well, but just it's a whole send up of, the latest data speak and it's really resonating with folks. I did it the other day at a, at a conference for the first time and it's a lot of the stuff I've done before, but repackaged and, and yeah. somewhat refined with some new material, but it really hit the point. I think a little bit more that we don't, you don't need all this flowery metaphors. You don't need all this fancy, crazy imagery that a lot of us get focused on. Just talk about the business and you will find the, the other thing I shared with the group was you, you shouldn't have to look too far to prove your value from data because there's data problems. There are problems all over your organization that data can help solve if you listen hard enough, if you go find them, if you go talk to sales and marketing operations and finance, understand the processes they have, understand what's happening and where you can help 
scale those activities as an easy way to look at it. But we'd rather talk about this new model we built. Yeah. Yeah. And basic selling is there's features and benefits and people buy benefits. They don't buy the features. Right. And a new model, that's a feature. I can help you reduce customer churn. That's a benefit. Oh, tell me more about that. We've got a customer churn problem. Data can help that for sure. So it's really just shifting in more of a truly sales-oriented head to tell this story. And look at your business. They all need help. Your business all across. And and I I challenge anyone to come up with another department in an organization that can have such horizontal value across an enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've made that comparison to like an HR department where you have to go across the entire organization and we get why it's a struggle. I mean, our people don't work well across the entire organization and yet Mm -hmm. we're expecting our data to flow freely horizontally (laughs) everywhere. It's just, we we haven't yet built up the abilities to, to do what we want uh, to do. Um, So one of the things that, that I wanted to ask you, is because I think a lot of people that are listening to the show or a lot of people that know you in the space, I mean, they all kind of live vicariously through you because you're kind of living the dream on, uh, you know, being able to go and give the talks and, and doing a lot of the, the content creation and, and that stuff. And I'm, I'm curious, like, because I love this, this data is the new bullshit. You, I'm not, no. I'm not bleeping <laughs> anything out. Forget that. Okay, um, <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I have to imagine that some in some organizations, you know, your brand of call it how you see it, it doesn't always play as well as you would like it to. Have you ever had that kind of like you've gotten into the room and you've done your thing and then it just, it fell flat. Cause I think it, it must have at some point, right? Like have you yes, ever had yes, that? Yes. Yeah. It has. It's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Okay. Where have I really bombed? And, and, and in a lot of cases it was, I don't think I've bombed since I've gone out on my own. I think I know where, I think I know my audience. I'm in the right context, people in the right frame of mind, having a conference. But there were times, certainly when I was working for some of those data companies, where just my thing wasn't what they wanted to hear. And one really sort of epiphany happened. I had done my usual inspirational, symbolic entertaining presentation for a group of data leaders at this organization that was a client of ours. And they said, okay, now this is great. We love this. We want, now we're going to have a meeting with the internal tech team, the programmers, you know, data governance, like really the hardcore technical folks. And I don't speak technical and I, I'm open about that. And I actually was, and the salesperson was like, oh, they're going to love this because the leaders loved it. And, and it was more of a web, it was webinar situation. And I actually said, are you sure? Because I have a sense of my audience. So they go, no, you talk for the first 20 minutes and then we'll get into the technical stuff and it'll be fine. And I'm starting to talk and I'm not hearing anything. And then I see like some chatter, like, are we going to get to the data model? And then somebody else says something and then somebody pings me and just goes, the salesperson pings me and goes, "Uh, can we just move on to the next to the next speaker? And I stopped pretty quickly because I kind of sensed it, but it was a real, I wouldn't call it a wake up call. It was just mostly validation of, to your point, you got to have the right audience, the right context. These people probably would have thought it was hilarious if they were at a conference, but they were there to get to, okay, what's the the schema? We got to integrate this data. We don't need to hear about, you know, the four C's and the eight eights and 
a bunch of jokes about data. It just didn't. It just was so wrong for that that particular group. Mm-hmm. So knowing your audience is the right thing. And I actually, I don't know if this is a, I don't think it's a weakness, but for me, the bigger the crowd, the better I am. Yeah. I can get on one-on-one with somebody and they will want to understand a lot of things behind the scenes of what you do next and how do you do it. And I say right up front, I focus on the why. So if you're going to go talk to your CEO and have to explain why data is important to your organization, I am absolutely your guy. If you've got all the funding and you're all set and you need to implement it, don't talk to me. Talk to mm-hmm. all these other types of folks out there that you've even alluded to, the data strategy consultants, the data implementation consultants, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But invariably, salespeople would come back at some of these organizations and they go, oh, our clients loved it. They loved your session. They, lo- they really actually like you on the account team. And I had to say more than once, no, they don't. They don't. They don't want me. They don't. They, what I do, you saw yeah. what I do. Okay. There's nothing left in the tank here. That was, I'm very broad, but very thin. So through all of that, I mean, understanding your own limitations is as important as understanding your strengths. And I play very much to my strengths and I stay away from my weaknesses at this point in my career. It's not like, you know, I need a personal development exercise to get better at data management implementation. That's just not my part. It's not my part of the space. So we all have a part to play. I try and play mine as well as possible, but I Mm -hmm. stick to my, to my part. I appreciate that so much. And I feel a kindred spirit with you because you're not unwilling to to push buttons and, and to provoke people. I mean, that's the whole point of what you're doing is to kind of shake up, shake it up, entertain, but get people really thinking. And I often have thought like when I do a lot of, of the conference speaking that I do, I'm like, if I don't get at least somebody who hated me, <laughs> I didn't push hard enough. Like if I don't right. get at least Somebody's one. Somebody's always going to not like yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So it, it, and you that's just like, want more to like it than not like it. But yeah, you're right. Always, there's yeah, always you're not somebody. Yeah. But you, but you, you know, like if you're if you're in the business of shaking things up, if you're in the business of being a change agent at, at a high level, like you talked about, you're very broad, but but shallow, but you're you're providing an important role that that cuts across it all. Like we just said, the importance of, of data flowing that way. You are that kind of message that can play to everyone. And that is a really important thing that that we don't have. And so like that to me is, is super important. So I appreciate you sharing like a, a time when that didn't go quite as planned, because we all have to recognize like if you never make a mistake, you're not pushing hard enough. And mm-hmm. and that's where, too, for me, I think about my own various roles that I've had. And I can't, you know, because I have been that person on the account teams. I have been that person leading strategy engagements. And I'm like, you know, I've been hired into roles where they brought me in because of who I am and what I do and then put me in a position where I couldn't do any of it. But I'm like, that's not helping anybody. I mean, I can collect a paycheck, but I'll lose my mind. Like, that's the right. problem is... I have to be that change agent. If I can't be shaking things up enough, then I start to wither. And that's where like, you know, you, um, you flourish on the stage and the bigger the crowd, the better, because that's where you can do your thing better than anywhere else. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly like, I think not everybody's going to be like that. And I love your comment, by the way, of you're afraid of not public speaking. That is the most Scott Taylor quote (laughs) I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) But I think for everyone, because that's not going to be most people's thing. It might be my thing too, but it might not be most people's thing. And I think 
understanding what is your thing. And I've long said, I've, I've been so blessed in my life that I've known for a long time what my, my effort, my life's work is about. My problem has always been context. I don't know where is best to put that effort in the most effective way. You seem to have found that piece too, after a career and doing some other things or whatever you found, oh, this is your calling and you got it 100, you know, 100% nailed now because you found that context and that effort. And I think I may have as well at this point in my career, but it's taken me decades to get to a point where I knew what that, that was. So as me too, somebody, by the way, me too. Yeah. So yeah. It takes a while. It's, it's I mean, and a lot of people don't even find what they're supposed to be doing, let alone where they should be doing it. And I think most people don't even get to that point, which is, which is a shame in the last minute or two we have, cause I'm really curious about this just as a, as a peer or as, as an aspiring peer, I feel is, is more appropriate is, um, you know, what is a day in the life of Scott Taylor? Like, cause it's not punching the nine to five uh, <laughs> with the key card at the office door after an hour commute. So what, what is no, your day? No, no, like? no. First of all, I commute downstairs. So I live in an apartment building. We've got one apartment we live in and another one we put together as a studio. Oh, awesome. And a day, it's, it is literally every day is different. So I try to do things like, so doing this show, I've got another event later today that I'm doing. For me, I like to gang them up. I mean, if I do two or three on a given day, for me, that's better than one a day for three days because you got to get the energy up and kind of the performance head and game day attitude and that sort of thing. So I love the sort of entertainment days or I, and I have it marked on my calendar in a special color. It's like, okay, I have events today. That's what yeah. I'm doing today. And um, But I'll also spend a lot of time, you know, editing trying to come up i'm working on a script right now as you know for my for my puppets trying to extend that that franchise a little bit working on the decks and presentations so every day is kind of different and i'm really thrilled because i don't you know i don't i don't feel like compared to the rest of my career i don't feel like i'm working that hard but i'm really mm -hmm. enjoying it a whole lot that's awesome and, 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 and yeah. opportunities are coming to me too which is nice so i'm not as I'm not spending as much time trying to find opportunities. They are starting to come to me at a regular basis. So that's, that's exciting as well. Yeah. That's definitely a good, uh, you know, elevation uh, leveling up uh, when, when the, when the opportunities start to, to find you. And I could definitely, in my current role, it's funny because I, I like, I feel like I don't have enough time in the day to work and it's not because I, there's too much to do and I'm stressed out. It's because there's so much I want to do that. I just can't find enough time to get to all of it. And it's so exhilarating where it's like, Oh man, it's already Wednesday. I need more time this week to get stuff done. And so it's, it's, right. a, it's a good feeling. I, I could definitely uh, relate to that. So final question, the last minute that we have is um, for people who love what you're doing, want to reach out, want to learn more. What's the best way to, to get in touch with you? I'm all over LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn, Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer, my website, metametaconsulting.com. Metameta, -meta, we're about what it's about. And no, we're not changing our name to Facebook, Facebook. It's Metameta -meta. <laughs> going forward. Metameta Consulting. I'm also on YouTube. You can find my book on technicspubs.com. We'll probably put some links for that. But the best place to find me is, is LinkedIn and just DM me if you're interested and all my stuff's up there and I'm posting every day, no matter what, about something. And I'm having a ball. I am just having a ball. Anthony, it's always it's always spectacular yeah. talking to you and uh, sharing some of these crazy thoughts and, and, and being able to, to connect with the larger data community as I've been able to do. Absolutely. It's always a boost of energy. Scott, thank you so much for being on the show today. I can't thank you enough. 
And this podcast is data leadership for everyone. But if you need some data leadership for you, I want to help. So send your questions to podcast at dl4e1.com or my phone number is 773-888-2077 if you prefer to text or leave a voicemail. You can find subscription links and all our episodes at dataleadershipforeveryone.com. And until next time, be good to your data, be better to your business, and be best to each other. Now go make an impact.